0: Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Guys, for that, um, well, I'm not sure what the right words are. For, the, for that, thanks for that. Now, I'm, I remember going to school. Anybody else remember going to school? Like, it's been a week of school holidays, some of the kids might have forgotten what it's like to go to school. You'll go back in a week, I'm never going back again. Um, but I do remember some things that I learn in school as well. And there's some stuff I've forgotten that I think would be helpful to remember. Um, that triangle, square, area, mass, that thing, uh, I've forgotten it, Clearly. But uh, there is something I remember that I probably haven't gotten a whole lot of use out of, although I sure could have used it for ash before. So you might want to join along with me here, kids, because uh, and adults as well, because this could be a useful lesson to learn. So back when I went to school, sometimes on a Friday afternoon, we'd talk about what we were going to do on the weekend, or maybe Monday morning, we'd say what we'd been doing and sometimes some of my friends, maybe even me occasionally, just sometimes, might have stretched the truth a little bit. You know, like oh, I played cricket, got seven wickets, um, 84 not out, uh, saved the team, you know. And we would do this. And I want you to do it with me. Grab your hand, take your hand here, and we would go, Benny Babuza. <laughs> Let's have a Benny Babuza together. Benny Babuza. So I've put it to Mike and Michelle. I said, I think we should rename this series, not Things God Never Said. I think that's a bit boring. We should rename it, Benny Barbutza. (laughs) Now, I'm looking at Mike's face. I don't think it's going to happen just between you and me, but we'll see. So Benny Barbutza, Things God Never Said. And I have looked up. I've Googled for at least five minutes who Benny Barbutza was. Absolutely no idea why we said it. Absolutely no idea either. If anybody has any idea, maybe online, you know, you say, oh, I know what that's all about. Don't Google it because it doesn't help. But uh, if anybody actually said, did anybody say Benny Babuza? Wow. <laughs> if you're online, there's 300 people raising their hands. <laughs> uh, everybody... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was a Benny Babuza, that one. <laughs> Now, we're going through this series, this Benny Babuza, God Never Said It series, and a little bit like some of my friends' stretching of the truth, we can actually think, we listen to some of these things, like Michelle last week, God wants you to be happy, and we say that sounds like something that actually the Bible must say, you know, Uh, and this week we've got this thought that God will never give me more than I can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. And you might be thinking, I'm sure that's in the Bible because most of these sound like they're in the Bible. Well, I think it comes in this case from a passage that sounds like this but actually has a really quite different meaning. So let's have a look at that. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And here's what it says. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, there's something that is true. There is something that doesn't deserve a babutsa, because God will never tempt you. That's not in the whole nature of God. The whole Bible refutes that. God will also, when we're tempted, will give us a way out. But temptation is very different from trials or struggles. And so sometimes we, we get this a little bit twisted. So let me make it clear. Yes, God will never tempt you more than you can. God will never tempt you. And he certainly will always provide you with a way out. But that doesn't mean that when we're struggling, that we say, "Ah, oh, it mustn't be... It must be wrong. Something must be wrong because God will never, te- God will never uh, give me more than I can handle because the Bible simply doesn't say that. You know, what's interesting to me is that the Bible says almost the opposite of this. And if we're to have a look at many of the stories of people of faith throughout the Scriptures, we see things like this. In Job chapter 30, Job says terrors overwhelm me, my dignity is driven away, my safety vanishes and now my life ebbs away, days of suffering grip me, night pierces my bones, my gnawing pains never rest. Sounds to me like Job was experiencing far more than he could ever handle in his own strength. Or David in Psalms, just one of the many Psalms where he talks about things like this, he says, my guilt has overwhelmed me. Like a burden, what? A burden too heavy to bear. I am feeble and utterly crushed. Doesn't sound like somebody living their best life and saying, oh, God will never give me more than I could handle. Oh, everything's all right. No, he was utterly crushed. Paul, the founder of the early church, we were under great pressure, read this next bit with me, under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Could he handle it? Could he endure it? No, that is a big... I was waiting for you all there, it didn't happen... That was a big Benny Babuza. It was far more than he could endure. Jesus, the son of God, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. These were people who were people of God like many of us are today. And it's not nice to hear. It's not something we sing worship songs about. I couldn't imagine a worship song My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Unlikely to hear it, but you know what? It's true. It's just as true as every other part of Scripture. Every single one of these were people who were people of God and they suffered far beyond they could endure. Not just little suffering, not something you could just put a Band-Aid on, but actually something that was so severe that It drove them to the feeling like they were at the point of death. So it seems to me that this idea of never suffering more than we can handle doesn't hit it. But in fact, what it does say to me is that if we're human beings, including if we're people who are following after God, and you, whether you're online today or for those of us who are here in person, it is highly likely that at one point or many points in your life, you will find yourself suffering maybe even far more than you feel like you can endure. So I guess the question that I'm left with is, what do I do about this? Because if it's true, if God is going to allow me to to suffer far beyond what I could endure, then what am I going to do about that? Now, last year, we had a speaker come to, to Clovey. His name was Mike Potter. And uh, he wrote this book here that's called Life is Messy, Hope in Dark Places. And if you weren't here, it was back in September last year, I'd encourage you to jump onto the Clover YouTube, have a look, Google Mike Potter, and uh, you'll find his, his sermon there. Get a hold of a copy of his book if this is something that you're saying, Wow, life is messy. I've got hope in dark places. And I just want to read one quote of his. Not the whole book, but just one quote. He says, sometimes life remains messy. To then beat ourselves up, surmising that it was due to our lack of faith, just makes it all the worse. We lose hope. We end up carrying guilt and condemnation around and a fair bit of hopelessness as well. You see, the first thing I want to say to you is this. It's not something to do, but something not to do. And that is this, if you're finding yourself today enduring, finding that I have to endure because everything is on top of me, the first thing not to do is blame yourself and to say, I must have done something wrong against God. Jesus, the perfect son of God who never sinned, was dealt the deepest and deepest of blows He felt like it was far more than he could endure. So I want to say this to you. And I want you to ask yourself a question and you might even be surprised by the answer. I want you to answer within your heart the first thing that jumps in your mind. And it's this. Do you think that God's got something against you? Do you think that God wants to condemn you? Do you think... That God wants to heap guilt into your life and make you feel bad about all those things that you've done? I want you to answer that honestly. What was that first thought that came in your mind? Maybe you're someone who follows Jesus even, but maybe you're somebody who's never really thought about it. You're here today or you're online today and you're thinking, there, that's what I think about God. I'm scared of God. He's condemning me, He tells me all of this stuff. And I want to say this with absolute conviction that that is a lie. That is a lie. God does not want to condemn you. God does not want to heap guilt upon you. How do I know it? I know it because the Bible tells me so. Here's what we read, and I've got it in three different versions to try and help us to realise it's not some tricky wording, it's just the truth. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, or to read it another way. Therefore, now there is no verdict of guilty, no condemnation as guilty. For those in Jesus, or even more simply, so now those who are in Christ Jesus are judged what? Are not judged guilty. Are not judged guilty. You see, Jesus came to this earth, the perfect son of God, and he took the greatest sacrifice that could ever be taken. He died. Why would he die if there were nothing to die for. He came because he wants God's judgment, the condemnation, the things that you feel that weigh upon you, the things that say, I've done too much, God could never love me. He came, he died and he rose again. And he rose again and he, he did that because God does not want ...to condemn you and God does not want to judge you guilty. But you see, in all of those verses, there's a writer and it says this... ...there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, it's a choice that we make. It's a choice that we make whether we have followed Jesus, know something about him... ...or if in fact we've never ever thought about it. But it's a choice that says, I'm going to be in Christ Jesus... I'm going to let his death and his resurrection change my life so that forevermore I'm forgiven and I am not condemned. So I want us all to close our eyes. And I want you to think back to your answer to that question. Whether whether you've followed Jesus all of your life or not, do you feel condemned? Do you feel guilty? Do you want to do something about that? give you a minute to think about that if you want to do something about that i want to lead you in a prayer you might want to pray it along in your heart jesus i thank you that you came to this earth that you died for me and you rose again i'm sorry for the things i've done Thank you that you are the perfect one. Please forgive me and take my sin. I choose to follow you and follow your ways and to be in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you're online today and you said that prayer or you thought, I'd like to pray that prayer, but I've got more questions, then there's a raise your hand that's just dropped into the chat raise your hand, click on there, we'll get your details and we'll be back in touch with you. Or if you're here in line today, in church today, come and have a chat with one of us after the service because we'd love to talk more about what that means. Something else that that Mike Potter talked about that we'd love to be able to help you with is that for some people, those hurts and those things are so deep that talking through with a counsellor or another health professional can be really helpful And as a church here at Clovey, we've got a fund we want to make available for you if finances are a problem, or maybe you don't know who to see. And popping up on the screen here, we've got our church office details. And so I'd love for you to give us a call or drop us an email and say, hey, I want to talk to somebody, uh, a counsellor or someone like that. So what can we do in our struggles? Well, I want to grab a a uh, stool here because I'm going to tell a story and telling stories is best done sitting down I reckon and this is a story about my uncle so I know my uncle pretty well his name is Malcolm and um, you know a couple of years ago actually it was 2014 he took a journey that I wouldn't be brave enough to do at this stage and many people wouldn't he went on a track in Papua New Guinea that you might have heard of, called the Kakoda Track. And it's popped up on the screen here, a bit of a map. It's 100 kilometres, eight days, trekking through jungles, through all sorts of things. And uh, he did this. And he wrote a bit of his story. So I want to read a bit of his story to you. Well, from the time I decided to do the trek, he said, I realised it wouldn't be a walk in the park with 4.30 a.m. wake-up calls. Anyone want to wake up at 4.30? Not me. 4.30 a.m. wake-up calls, sometimes hiking until 4 p.m., climbing mountains, descending valleys, wading across rivers through mud, pouring rain, suffering aches and pains. It was tough. But to help me on this unknown journey, I chose to use a porter, someone to help me carry my load. My original plan was that I could carry my day pack and that my porter, Sonny, this picture of Sonny up here on the screen, he could carry my larger backpack. Well, little did I know that less than halfway through the trek, I was carrying nothing more than my own water bottle and Sonny was carrying everything else. I'm sure Sonny would have even carried me if I'd asked him to. There were, th- there were things that helped me complete my trek. It says, firstly, the fact that I'd chosen a porter. Without Sonny, I'm sure I would not have finished the journey upright. Secondly, the support and encouragement I received not only from the other Trekkers, but all of the 27 Boona boys. So the Boona boys came from the town of Boona, which was right up the top of that map, from their town as guides and cooks and almost everything else you can imagine. I could be dragging my feet, feeling tired, and I'd go round a bend and there was a small group of the Boona boys playing their guitars and singing along. Now, I can't imagine this. Like, look at these guys. Eight days, 100 kilometres, you're just about dead and here are they just playing along like, wow. It was in their own language, but man, did it give me encouragement. The clapping and the cheering from my other trekkers also encouraged me. Finally, the power of prayer kept me going. From the time I found out that the Boona boys were actually Christians, from the town of Boona, they gathered for prayer first thing every morning. And remember, they got up at 4.30am. Every morning I felt in good company. Quite a few of them, I found out, actually chose to come on this trek to help others and so show their love of God. Now, what a story from my uncle. Eight days of blood and sweat and tears. And there's a couple of things that I take from this. And the first one is this. God wants to help us in our journey. Because, you see, our journey of life can feel like that Kokoda Trail, just trekking uphill. Will you ever get there? Your burdens feel like they're too heavy. And what does God give us? God gives us each other. God gives us each other to walk this journey. And you know, here at Clovey, we're always willing to pray for you, but especially after our morning services, 9 and 11, and online, prayer is always available for you. But it takes, like my uncle did, to say, hey, I need someone else here. So maybe you're struggling today. Maybe your burdens feel like they're far more than you could handle. And I would say this, let's find each other. If you're not part of a life group, join up with a life group. Go to the point afterwards or drop in online. Say, hey, I'd like to join a life group because I believe that I need other people. I cannot do this alone. And let me be honest with you, I can't do this alone. I've got this fantastic life group, two of them sitting in the second row here, another whole lot sitting over there. And I'm thinking, man, it is so good to have them walking this sermon with me but more so walking life with me. But, you know, also in my Kokoda journey, my uncle had to realise, yeah, he had to realise he couldn't do it alone and he couldn't do it the way that he imagined he was going to do it. He imagined himself, perhaps you have as well in your life, I'm just cruising through life, life is good yeah, I've got this backpack on, I'm just walking along, everything's good. Imagine if he'd tried that and actually his backpack's really heavy and he's trying to walk his way along. He himself says this, he says, I'm sure I wouldn't have finished the journey upright. People have to get airlifted from that Kakoda Trail. Now, there's a thousand reasons, but I'm sure for some of them it's because they realize, they don't realise that their burden is so heavy. And they won't let someone else walk it with them. I want you to think about things happening in your life today. Maybe there's something that just keeps jumping in your mind and you think, yeah, I'm really struggling with this. And let's hear what happened to Paul in the Bible when indeed he had this encounter God with God and he struggled. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Again, really heavy. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul goes on to say that he will boast and he will delight in his weaknesses. My power, God said to Paul, and God says to you, is made perfect in weakness. You know what? I think about it this way. Unless I am weak, how could God ever possibly show me that he's strong? Unless I realise that I can't walk this Kokoda Trail of life with my backpack on, how am I ever possibly going to realise that I need help? God is is my porter. God is my porter. I'm going to walk the Kokoda Trail of life. It's going to happen just like it did for Paul, just like it did for Job, just like it happened for Jesus. I'm going to walk it, but I've got a choice as I do that. To illustrate this choice, I brought a couple of backpacks with me here today. This one here is mine. It's actually really heavy. You have to trust me on that, but it actually is. Here in my backpack is my sin. It's heavy. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Are you going to let sin sit holding within yourself or are you going to say, you know what, God, I don't need this and you can forgive it. Let God take your sin. It's gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions, our sins from us. Oh. I don't know if this is uh, prophetic, but this is my fear. It's already fallen apart. And I have a big thing with fear. God, oh, if I do this, if I say that, what will this person say? Oh, what might happen here? And you know what? It's heavy. I don't need to carry it. I can take it give it to God it's gone I don't have to carry it what about this one this is one that might ring a bell with you health your health other people's health you might be struggling with something that is so heavy and I know health can really it can take us down but you know what can take us down even more than that is the worry that comes with the health God what's happening Am I going to do this? What will happen today? What will happen tomorrow? can't do anything about that except for this. God, I give it to you. I want you to stand with me and if you're brave enough, put your hands out. Take a stand and put your hands out in front of you. Got another little rock here. So let's stand. And I want you to put your hands out in front of you if you're brave. And imagine that thing that's been sitting in your mind. I don't know what it is. Might be one of the things I mentioned, it might be something else. And you know what? It's taking you to the point that you feel like it's far more than you could possibly bear. You've got a choice about this you can try and carry it because we're still going to walk the journey but god wants to take the weight of it away from you he took the weight of sin away when he rolled the biggest stone that could ever be rolled when he rolled the tombs of the tombs rock away so that it could be seen that jesus was not there And so if you're brave enough, take this thing here in your mind, this rock, and say, hey, God, I'm going to give this to you. And you know, I don't really understand what this means, but what happens when we do that is this. God says, that's great. You are weak. And my power is made Perfect in your weakness, and so what you've just done now, by taking that and saying, "God, I'm so weak; I can't deal with it. I give it to you," is you have now you have enabled God's power to be made perfect in your weakness. And man, what that looks like, I don't know, but it is exciting. So let's pray. I'll just give you the chance, first of all, to respond to God and thank Him for what he's doing in your